Welcome to Real World, a podcast from Stumo West for soon-to-be college graduates and young professionals who desire to walk faithfully with Jesus in the real world. I'm Dave Matthews, your host for today's episode, and I have the privilege of sitting down with my wife, Adrienne Matthews, to have a conversation about finances. Oh, and I am so excited to talk about finances. I feel like I was a college student. I've been there before, but I've also made a lot of mistakes with money along the way. So I feel like I have a lot of tips. And I know for me, my family, I mean, I just come from a family full of accountants. So they talked about money all the time. And so I feel like they gave me a lot of good tips on how to budget, how to save, how to invest and everything in between. But I know, Dave, that's not your background. (laughs) No, I was much more don't ask, don't tell about my (laughs) finances um, when I was younger, especially before we met. Um, But it was very much I just trusted, hey, God will provide whatever I need. And fortunately, he did. I was, you know, (laughs) he blessed me enough to not be out on the street or something like that. Um, But I didn't have high as a young adult. I didn't have high expenses. I had roommates. I did a fair job of watching, you know, what I spent and spent too much on eating out, too much entertainment, etc. But really, I wasn't investing. I didn't have a retirement plan. Like everyone said, oh, you know, set up your 401k and get all that done. I go, well, that doesn't make any sense to me. So I'm just not going to do it. <laughs> um, but so it, it, yes, it worked out for me in the moment, but I was really just kind of flying by the seat of my pants until I met you. Oh, so gracious <laughs> of God, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so to be clear, like it was, it was a working strategy at the time, but it really was not a viable long-term solution for me. So we don't want you guys to be in that same boat, or if you are already a saver, we want to be wind in your sails and want you to handle your money well. But why talk about money age? Let's start with that. Why is it so crucial for young adults for us to to have an understanding of finances to walk faithfully with Jesus? Yeah. Well, we talk about money because the Bible talks about money. And so as Christians, the Bible is going to be what gar- uh, guides our life. Mm-hmm. And in regards to money, I mean, you could debate whether it talks between like hundreds and thousands of times about money, like depends on like what word you want to look at in the Bible. But just like overall, the Bible has a lot to say about money. And so it's full on good tips on how to be wise and how to steward it. And with thinking about our money, it's God's money. And so if everything in our life is God's and even our money, even though it has our name on the bank account is still God's, that should really affect how we steward our money. And so I'm so glad that we're getting to talk about it. I think you chose the word well, when you say the word steward, there's the implication that one, it doesn't belong to you. And two, that there is expectation for you as the steward of whatever it is, whether I'm stewarding something that you've given me directly one-to-one or uh, if you're house sitting for someone, you are stewarding their house. So if we are stewarding God's money, there are expectations on how we ought to handle it. We have to handle it in a way that honors God, that glorifies God. And a few ways, you mentioned that there's a lot of ways that the Bible talks a lot about money. We'll talk just through a few of the Proverbs that mention it. Oh, yeah. The Proverbs are like full of yeah. tips on money. <laughs> so we, we could spend the whole time talking through those, but just a few. Proverbs 6, 5, it talks about get out of debt. It says, free yourself like a gazelle running away from the hunter. Proverbs 22, 7, borrower is the slave to the lender. Or Proverbs 6, 8 says, take a lesson from ants and be wise like them. They store its, they, the ant stores its provision in summer and it gathers its food at harvest. So clearly, like back even as far as Bible times as we can go and as we see God's word provided for us, money is an important thing and something that God wants us to steward well. So let's let's dive into some of the basics, though, of that. Uh, what are some essential things as a young adult that they need to know about money? How do we start stewarding our money? Well, where can we go? 
Yeah. Well, first things first, you got to have a spending plan. And so spending plan, budget, same thing, use whatever you want to do to call it. But you've got to start with that because if you don't know how much you're spending each month, then how can you steward it? How can you manage it? And so when you have a spending plan, when you have a budget, you're essentially just taking your income. That's how much you make. And then from there, you're subtracting out all of your expenses. And so you probably need to find out how much you're making. I know right now you may not be making much whether or not you have a job, but when you graduate one day and have a job, you will um, have an income. And sometimes that can come in um, every other week. Sometimes that can come in at the beginning of the month. But either way, you want to keep track of that. And I want to point out that what like your spending plan will probably look different right now than it does, you know, six months from now that it does six years from now. And so the reality of a spending plan or a budget is that it's evolving over time. It's evolving as you are evolving. And I think right now we have such a crucial opportunity to be faithful in budgeting when we have such like a little amount so that we can be faithful in the long run. Luke 16, 10 says, if you're faithful with a little, you can prove to be faithful with a lot. And so I just love that because I think we can all just be challenged and practicing that right now, even when you don't have a lot of money um, to your name. And like I like I mentioned earlier, just to chime in on that, is that I took that to mean like I didn't I didn't apply that verse and saying, hey, because I don't have a lot of expenses, because I don't have a lot of money, period. I wasn't making a ton of money at the time. I guess I still don't know, <laughs> but I was making less than I do now. And I just saw it as I don't really need to be worried about this. I don't need to steward this. Well, that's something I'll do when I'm older. And what I would encourage you guys to do is right now, hey, say, how can I take charge of my finances? How can with what I have, how can I be with what I've been entrusted, the talents that I've been given, so to speak, um, like the parable that Jesus tells us, um, how can I be faithful with those things? How can I steward that? Well, don't just say it's something that you should wait and put off. You should build the habit now. That's so good. And I know so many people when it comes to like budgeting or even checking their bank account, they're like, oh no, I can't go look at it. It's exactly. just going to tell and me that, I'm broke. And that was, that was me. So I go, <laughs> man, I just don't go out. Don't go out to eat. You know, just don't think about it. Don't talk about it. Yeah. Which like we can't do that. If we're really going to manage something, we have to be aware. And so I'm not saying every morning when you wake up, you got to check your bank account, but I am saying probably weekly, you should be checking your bank account to see, hey, how much money is going out and in for my account and how am I stewarding and managing that? Well, that is what a faithful or a wise person would do. Yeah. And you can't you can't just pretend it's not there. You can't just assume you have enough because I've heard you say this before. You Like basically you can't budget what you don't know that you have. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I speak to that a little bit. Yeah. Well, if you don't know how much you have, then you don't know how much you can budget kind of mm -hmm. just like um, I said there. And so a lot of people will just go and approach it just with ignorance of just like, oh, well, you know, like you said, Davey, mm -hmm. I can just do all the basics. I all my necessities are going out. I'm not going into debt. Why do I need to budget? Well, it's like essentially every single dollar that you're making and bringing in each month should be going somewhere. Like every dollar has a place that would be like what managing your money is going towards. And so when you're thinking about all the different ways you can manage your money, there's like the necessities that it has to go to. So necessities, food, water, shelter, mm -hmm. you know, like the basics that would be like, you know, um, rent, gas, food, car insurance, cell phone, internet, bills, clothes, probably all the things that you need to like function day to day. And so with food, I'm not saying, oh, that means like you get to go out to eat every single day. Mm -hmm. No, it's so much more cost effective to get groceries and eat in. And with clothing, are you saying like, oh, I have permission to like shop and, you know, spend all this money? No, I'm just saying you probably need to have clothes to be mm -hmm. able to function like a person would because clothes are required. So I'm just saying you need to budget to spend money on those things because those are things that you need. Mm -hmm. So practically, as you're building a budget, as we have built our budget, let's help our audience out here a little bit. So you've thought through all of those things and you've said what? Like you've gone through and said, oh, if you looked at the past and gone, how much have I spent these past three or four months? What do you think is reasonable to spend? 
How did you actually build that out? Well, I'm grateful that a lot of people have gone before me in this because I think it was, if it was totally up to me, I would not have a clue on what to do. But there's a bunch of apps out there that can help you budget. And so one I personally use is called Mint, M-I-N-T. It is absolutely free and you can link it to your bank account. And they like will show you what, you know, common categories are. And so if you were someone like me, I wasn't thinking through all the categories I was spending money until I saw them in a list of drop down menus that I could add to my own budget. I go, oh yeah, you're right. I do have a, you know, car insurance payment. I should add that to the list. Oh yeah, I do have a cell phone bill. I should probably add that to the list. I wasn't thinking of all of those things in the moment because they were either just like auto drafted out of my account. I never thought of them. But when they're on the app, I go, oh yes, this part of my income is going to this specific place. And when it comes on like how much to spend, I feel like that's kind of just a game of, you know, Tetris. It's going to look different for every person. And it's going to take like reconfiguring out to figure out, okay, how much do I actually need for food or how much do I need for gas? I know for us, it's like we don't spend a ton on gas in December because we're flying to go see family and we don't have cars when we go see and see family. And so our gas budget is like close to none in the month of December. Whereas for somebody else, it might be really high because they're driving home to go see family. And so really with the budget, it should be something that is flexible, but it's all flexible in the amount that's coming in each month. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when we say flexible, it's important to know that it shouldn't be flexible Oh, because I want to spend $500 on this bag or, you know, I want to go to this concert or, you know, whatever. Like there should be flex room in as much as it glorifies God still, mm -hmm. as you're still mm -hmm. stewarding your money well, as you can make a good reasoning for, hey, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to spend my money and put my money here because it gives glory to God. And one of the ways that specifically I think we should be thinking through that as you're making your budget, something that should be a part of your budget is giving. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing that I think Christians have a lot of misconceptions about uh, when it comes to giving. Um, but it is something that we are commanded to do. We are supposed to be gracious and we're supposed to, that's part of being a good steward of our money. But how have you seen that? How have you worked that into your budget, into our budget before your yeah. budget before we were married in our budget, like as we've I mean, honestly, when I heard about giving, I just thought, oh, I have to give 10% of my income. And so it's like when I'm giving like or I'm stewarding my money and I'm like budgeting rent and all these things, I'm like, I just have to do 10%, whatever that top number is, and put that in giving and just kind of make it this automatic thing that I don't even think about. But then I started actually researching what the tithe is and I go, okay, if we're going to go with the actual definition of the tithe and what people actually tithe in the Old Testament, it was like 20 to 30% mm -hmm. of their income. That is a lot more than the technical 10% term. But then if we read in the New Testament and we start learning about the tithe, that word is nowhere listed in the New Testament at all. And so whenever money is listed in the New Testament, it's talking about this generous, cheerful giving posture out of the generosity of God's grace. And so me, I just I just want someone to tell me how much to give. Like mm -hmm. that's how I want to function. But that is not how God has graciously operated with his grace. He's saying, hey, know how much you have been given and out of how much you know you have been given, you will that will overflow from you into your own like generosity to others. And so I don't have a, you know, <laughs> definition on, hey, this is how much you have of your salary to give. But I do want to call you guys to be gracious and generous with your giving. And so for some of you, like 10, 20, 30% may not be enough um, to give. And for some of you, 2%, 3%, 7% would be like so much to give. Like that might be too generous. And so for you, that is something between you and the Lord, but really the call is to be generous and to be a cheerful giver. Yeah. Ultimately, we don't have a set number or a set percentage uh, under, under the new, under new Testament law. Now that Jesus has come back, we're not still held to the same standards of the Old Testament law. We don't have to give the same gifts. We don't have to uphold the same um, time periods and specific um, gifts to 
um, to sojourners and things like that that were mentioned are part of that 20 to 30 percent number that you mentioned. But for us, what is commanded of us is that we give cheerfully. Second Corinthians 9, 7 says, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So for us, as we were building our budget, what we tried to determine is, hey, what can we give cheerfully and give reasonably? We're not going to give 100% of our income away. Um, but what can we do that, one, allows us enough money to live well, and live comfortably, not lavishly? And what can we give away cheerfully in a way that glorifies God? And I think with that too, it's like, you got to think, well, what do I even give to? Mm. It's like, there are so many awesome, wonderful things to like give to like your local church being one of them. I'm like, so amazing. Invest in what your local body is doing because your local church, they're investing in the community as a result of what is being given from the church. It doesn't just go to the pastor's salary and what it takes to put on the programs at the church. It's going far beyond that. Um, but then also there's tangible ways you can like support missionaries. You can support local missionaries here in the United States. You can support missionaries overseas and funding them to go do those things. There's pregnancy centers to support. There's different outreach, like homeless ministry. I mean, there's so many amazing things to give to. And so the Bible doesn't say this is the specifics on how each percentage of your money has to be given. But again, it's that generous, cheerful heart. And so I think people are going to find different things that they desire to give to based on their different experiences. And I think that's probably a good thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's some people that can give 30, 40, 50, 60 percent of what they make and it, they don't even feel it. Oh, man, mm -hmm. make a difference. But for some people, uh, like the, like the poor widow that Jesus mentions, uh, like, and if she gives one penny, that's like giving out of her poverty, giving out of what she can afford. So for you, maybe you're in a season where, hey, five, six, seven percent is like really pushing it for you. But what's cool is that even if you're in that scenario, what God looks at is the heart. He doesn't look at a number on a bank account. He looks at, hey, are you giving out of? Are you giving sacrificially? Or are you giving in a way that? honors me that shows your heart isn't attached to this money and keeping it for yourself but you want it to be used for god's glory oh there's such a good quote by george Mueller that i feel like i just have to share but it says mm -hmm. god judges you on what you keep not what you give um and so or sorry let me get that right god judges um, what we give by what we keep and wow that was like a quote that just hit really hard because i was just like okay yes the opposite of like giving would be keeping because you're keeping it for yourself. And so really when you're thinking about how much you're giving, you have to evaluate how much are you keeping? And I think that's such a good um, hard hitting lens to think through when it comes to our generosity and how we are giving. Yep. Yep. And so the next thing we want to talk about for you guys is as you have planned out your budget and think through, hey, what can I spend each month? Is we want to talk about the importance of avoiding debt. Age, why do you have such a strong opinion about avoiding debt? I mean, we could just go like Dave Ramsey over here and like pop off on how much you should avoid debt. You know, the proverb that talks about the gazelle getting out of the hands of the hunter. And so if you are a gazelle, you're running that gazelle intensity so that you don't die. And that's how we should think about our debt. Like how fast are we running to get out of debt, to flee in the opposite direction of debt? And I'll be honest here. I don't think in America we're really good at avoiding debt. We have a lot of opportunities to invite more debt upon us. Um, but the Bible is clear that we are to avoid debt. And so the reality is, if you are a college student, most of you guys will graduate with some amount of student loans. And I looked it up the other day, the average student loan balance is around 37,000 in 2022. And so that number may be higher or lower, depending on what type of university you went to, whether it was public or private, and um, what scholarships you might have. But 
if you don't know how much you owe, which I feel like a lot of people don't because I've mentored a lot of college students in this area, you should find out right now mm -hmm. what your student loan balance will be. Because if you don't know what it will be, then you don't have necessarily a plan on how to pay that off. And so first of all, if you have student loans, I encourage you right now, find out um, what they are so that you can make a plan to pay it off. And um, though I don't have personal experience in paying off student loans, I know countless stories of friends in my life that have. And so I wanted to share a few of those. I had a friend um, named Emma. She graduated from a private university in Texas, and she had 50000 in student loans, which, you know, is a lot. And she really wanted to be a missionary overseas. And she's like, am I going to be able to be a missionary with this much in student loans? Am I even going to make enough to get out of debt? Like the Bible is clear. I, I want to get out of debt, but I also want to give my life and be a missionary and tell people about Jesus that don't know. And so she didn't let her debt destroy her dreams of being a missionary. And so as a missionary, she aggressively paid off $1,000 each month to her student loans, which is just nutty. And so anything extra, so things like tax returns just went to paying off her student loan balance. And so she just went in with the attitude, hey, I'm going to have to probably live a little bit more simply and a little bit more radically because I want to get out of debt as quick as possible. And so three and a half years later, she made her last payment and now she is debt free. And then another um, friend that I have, they're a young or they were a young married couple at the time and together they had 52,000 in debt and so they did some radical things they sold one of their cars they only had one they paid off eight different student loans they even canceled a credit card and they became debt free and get this seven and a half months. So talk about doing some radical things. There were people that took different side hustles. They worked over the weekends and really just any sort of extra opportunity. They tried to make extra cash and really budgeted wisely um, in order to get out of debt. So it's totally possible to get out of debt is mm -hmm. what I'm trying to say. And the reason we want you guys to avoid debt is that it makes your money have to go towards something that isn't giving you any benefit and can't be used for any other purpose. So if you guys don't don't know how debt works very briefly, like you you borrow money, let's say you borrow $100,000 and someone gives you an interest rate of 5%, something like that. If if you owe 5% on 100,000, if you owe $100,000 and your interest rate is 5%, then not only do you owe $100,000, you also owe another $5,000 on top of that for that year. So you're not only having to pay back $100,000, but you're having to pay back that extra 5% on top of that. And the longer you spend not paying this money back, the more you're going to pay in interest because they are making money off of you borrowing money from them. Mm -hmm. And that's why the Proverbs talks about that. Like you are being a slave to the lender of just like you are completely under their authority until you are broken free from that debt balance that mm -hmm. you owe. And so to, th to put it in a more like direct sense of how you're stewarding your money, if you owe $100,000, but you also owe that 5,000 on top of it, Think through what other ways you could use that $5,000. Think through as, as soon as you got off of debt, you free yourself up to use that money that's going towards paying off debt, that's going towards what you owe, to then give or to invest or to use to bless someone that lives near you to, to support an orphan or a widow or all these things that when you're paying off debt, a money can't be used for. So if you have debt, you want to tackle it hard. Car payments, um, credit card debt, any of those things, especially if a credit card is tempting you, like stop using it. Like <laughs> just get rid of it. <laughs> yeah, ju just chop it up. Like, they should, they just stop. Because we, we have this idea that we have to have these certain things. And so we have to go into debt to get them. And there are some things I don't want to say that if you went into student loan debt because you want to be a doctor and you want to mm -hmm. serve and you want to like, use your gift and your desire to, you know, help other people heal, etc. I'm not saying that kind of debt is bad. What I'm saying is that you have to consider and plan well for your debt. How are you going to get out of it? What purpose are you taking it on for? 
are you taking it on because you want to have that those Jordans that your buddy like <laughs> has and that like just dropped and you want to get the next coolest best thing that's not a a arguable reason for you to go into debt hmm. have to have a good reason for it have to be stewarding your money well because it's God's money ultimately like we talked about hmm. earlier so debt in itself isn't necessarily evil uh, if it makes the most sense for your future to do that and if it's glorifying to God to take some of that on then go for it but you have to handle the debt well are you paying it off faithfully are you in, while you're in debt, are you indulging in other things that you shouldn't be indulging in that are keeping you from paying off your debt and getting out from underneath that lender, et cetera? So last point, though. Mm, yes, last point. So first of all, um, make a spending plan. Second of all, get out of debt. And then the third one is have a plan for your future. And so when I think about this, I think about, man, a lot of things are going to happen in your life that are unexpected. And I like to call the unexpected the inevitable because you probably <laughs> will have an unexpected medical bill. You probably will have a car breakdown or need something serious at some point in your life. And so how are you planning for those things to happen? Because they, they will happen. Mm -hmm. You just don't know when. And so typically when those things happen, that's when most people go into debt because something happened that they didn't plan for. And so a wise person would make a plan for when those things happen so that they are avoiding going into debt in the future. And so a good first start in this is setting aside $1,000 in a starter emergency fund. And so this could be like the very first thing you do after you start a budget is like, hey, I'm going to start saving X amount of dollars per month until I have 1000 in this starter emergency fund. And that could just cover any unforeseen expenses that you weren't um, budgeting for. So again, medical payment, car emergency, any of those things. And now this is an emergency fund of like, oh, I really need that like cute purse or this cute outfit to go to this concert. Like, no, that is not an emergency. This is like a true emergency. And so I would recommend, you know, putting that away so that you're not seeing it every you know week when you're checking your bank statement. Maybe put that in a separate savings account in the same bank, you know, so that's still liquid so that you can still get it out when you might need it for an emergency. But you're not seeing it. So you're not being tempted with it. And then and ultimately, oh. this is just another example of how it might seem like restricting to like put all these things of, <laughs> oh, instead of using my money now and like living and enjoying my life, I'm just going to set it away. I'm going to be a hoarder like that. I guess you can take that attitude if you want. But ultimately, having an emergency fund like this frees you up to not have to worry about what's coming next. Yeah, like it's you, so freeing. Yeah, you can live your life going, hey, I know that if something were to happen to me, if my car were to break down, if I really needed money, I have that saved away. And so I can operate out of the rest of my budget with freedom. Mm, totally. It's, it's one of these, it's kind of like making a schedule. It's like, oh, well, if I, if I put everything in my calendar and make an intense schedule, it's going to restrict me and I'm going to be, have this my whole life planned out. And I won't have any room for spontaneity. It's the exact opposite. It actually frees you up to be spontaneous with the money that you have left. You don't have to go, well, I would buy that guy lunch, but uh, I might have an emergency. You know, I don't know what's going to happen to me next. You can operate mm -hmm. out of certainty because you've planned well for your future. And I was thinking about this recently, like this um, past year, we had our car breakdown on one mm -hmm. of our cars and it was, you know, absolutely total, like done, gone. And I remember like initially just wanting to freak out because it feels like the appropriate response to freak out when your car <laughs> breaks down and you only have one vehicle um, if you're a married couple. And then I just started thinking about it and I go, oh, wait, we have savings for this. Like this isn't that big of a deal. Like mm -hmm. if we wanted to, we could go buy a new used car tomorrow if we found one that like fit within the budget that we we had and so that's really like what the budget is supposed to do what the plan is supposed to do is it's supposed to be a really freeing thing so that when emergency happens it's not oh my gosh how in the world am i going to pay for this it's like hey i plan for this to happen essentially so here we go let me put money towards this but um yeah i want to make a distinction here i said a thousand dollars in a starter emergency fund now i know you hear that and you go man that is not enough for like a true emergency and you're right it's not enough for a true emergency let's say you lost your job 
um, that is not enough to live a couple months without a job. And so the thousand is just a starter. And so once you have that thousand saved, that's when you can start doing um, a lot of other things like paying off debt. You could you know, start investing. I know people will have different um, stances here. Like Dave mm -hmm. Ramsey would say, man, you should not invest at all until you have paid off every single dollar of debt completely. I've also taken a financial class called Third Decade. And they would actually say, hey, if you are young and you have debt, you should actually start investing even before all your debt is paid because of the return of compound interest. Mm -hmm. And so definitely do your research there and, um, yeah, get some different financial opinions because people will have some different things um, to save there. But it's, yeah, after you have that thousand, that is when you start building on it into being a true emergency fund. And a true emergency fund would be three to six months of your income. Again, like if you lost a job, something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it prevents you from having to go into debt, like we talked about, and having to pay. You can either save the money now and pay one price for something, or you can go and not save, go into debt then you end up having to pay more than you would initially had to pay because you're now paying interest on your emergency as well. So for, for in all of this age, how do we strike? I call my wife age, by the way, if you guys didn't know that's short <laughs> for Adrian. Uh, but so how do you strike the balance in finding in saving money and, and doing that well and stewarding it well versus finding security in it? Because like, we, we could have talked about before we got married, you're definitely naturally a saver and mm -hmm. I'm definitely naturally a spender. Which what we mean by that is that she, I find security in being able to spend money. Mm -hmm. You find security in being able to save money and mm -hmm. know that you have like nothing will ever go wrong. Mm -hmm. So how do we actually balance this well and be a good steward without letting our money control mm -hmm. us? Well, something I have to constantly come back to is money is simply it's it's neutral. Mm. It's not good. It's not bad. It's neutral. It's a tool. It's a means, a resource that God has given us to live. It's how we buy food. It's how we have gas. It's how we get a shelter is through money. So it simply is a tool. And so again, it's not ours. We're just here to steward it. And I just have to keep on coming back to that because I can read my bank account and I can see my name on it. It feels like mine. It feels like I should be able to dictate how this thing goes, but no, it is God's and I'm just here to steward it. And so don't get me wrong. I've definitely gone through seasons where I've looked for security in how the stock market are, is doing or how much is in my bank account. Like when we drain our savings because an emergency happens, then I'm like, oh no, we don't have a savings. What are we going to do if another emergency comes? Hey, we just got to keep making small steps each month to rebuild that savings account and um, we drain it. Um, but I do know that it never works when I'm finding security mm -hmm. in those things. Like it never, never does. I think that it might and it never does. And so I have to remind myself that money is just a tool from God. And I'm just here to steward it in this life because I don't know how long I'm going to live. I may live just till tomorrow or I may live a long time from now. But regardless, I want to be stewarding it well, however long God has me here. Yeah. Yeah, really the issue for either of us on both sides, flip sides of the same coin, is that we've started to find part of our identity and part of who we are and part of our importance and part of our value and some significance in the money that we have. For me, money that I'm spending, or for her, money that she's saving. And so well, the issue with that is that we are finding our value in something other than Christ. We're finding our purpose and our worth and security and strength from something other than Christ, something that God just gave us to steward not meant to be security. It's not meant to be uh, value. It's not meant to be purpose. It's supposed to be something that we use to glorify God, just like our marriage, just like singleness, just like uh, any giftings that you have, any talents you have, your time, et cetera. Everything is supposed to be for the purpose of glorifying God. Mm -hmm. So 1 Timothy 6.10 speaks to this. He says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And people have misinterpreted this verse all the time saying that money is evil. No, it's not. Money is something that can be used for awesome, great, massive, God-glorifying purposes. Mm -hmm. But if we fall in love with it, 
and we are hoarding it and we are doing it and we are sorry we are pursuing it in a way that is for our own selfish gain it's something that is going to try to fill a hole in our own hearts and we've taken something that god gives and that he instituted for something that's used to be sorry something that he has instituted to glorify his name and we've turned it into an idol and that's where it becomes evil that's where it becomes something that begins to control us rather than us controlling it and using it to glorify god and that's really our heart for you guys with this episode is that we want you guys to feel like able to could be in control of God's money because it is God's money. But how do I steward this well? How do I understand my finances? How do I plan well to use them now and in the future? And how do I use them in a way that is going to glorify God? Mm, that's so good. And I feel like, I mean, there's so many great people that have a lot of things to say about money and you could go on a deep dive of learning all about this. But I would say, hey, just take a small step. Like right now, if you do have student loans, see how much you have there. If um, you're someone who's never budgeted in your life, hey, try this next month. Try and budget. See what happens. Check out how much income you have. Maybe it's a scholarship that you have right now, or maybe you're still getting an allowance from your parents, or maybe you're working. I don't know what your situation is, but just see, just track that month. How much am I spending? Maybe you don't have a set number. Maybe you're like, I have no idea how much I spend on gas or food. Just monitor it this next mm -hmm. month and see um, what that's looking like. I think you might be surprised at some of the things that you find. Yeah. And two practical things with that that we'll leave you guys with is one, Ask someone to help you make a budget. There's lots of ways you could do this. Have someone that you trust that you know handles their money well and say, hey, I'm going to make up a budget. Can I give it to you? And you look over it and give me your honest thoughts and be you know, strict with me and give me, shoot it to me straight and have them speak into it. Hey, I think you could spend less money here. I think you could save more money there, et cetera. And then one other practical thing you can do is look at, like you just mentioned, look at your own spending for a month and then go through and go, hey, is the amount of money I'm spending in each of these areas really glorifying God, mm -hmm. really honoring to God? Am I spending too much on things that only benefit me, that glorify me, make me look good, or are things that I don't need? Am I wasting too much money on food? Am I wasting mm -hmm. too much money on entertainment, et cetera? Could I be giving more? Am I saving enough? Yeah, I think we could tell a lot about a person if we just went through their bank statement. You yeah. could see what their priorities are. So that's even convicting for myself to say. I'm like, man, I hope someone would see that I'm someone who loves Jesus, and I want that to be true for you guys too.